Hello and welcome to this Sustainable Wine podcast. This is a recording of a conference session that took place on the 2nd or 3rd of June 2021 as part of Sustainable Wine's Future of Wine Americas Conference 2021. We'd very much like to thank the sponsors of that conference, BSI, Bodega Argento, Jackson Family Wines, International Wineries for Climate Action and Avenea. Thank you to all of those groups for their important support and I hope you enjoy the session. Really happy that uh, Lara Katena and Fernando Buscema have joined us. Um, I think uh, Lara's name is quite well known in the wine industry. It's appeared on, the Katena names appeared on a few bottles over the last uh, 30 or 40 years. Um, and uh, I read a really interesting book about Argentinian wine about 10 years ago called The Vineyard at the End of the World by a British yes. journalist, which really actually framed wine. It, 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 he looked at it as a kind of economic history of Argentina through the lens mm-hmm. of wine which is really fascinating. And, and the container name obviously played a very key role there. So delighted that you're able to join us and, and discuss this idea of, of effective collaboration. Um, it's been a theme throughout the whole conference, obviously, but it's one of those incredibly overused words. And um, like all sessions, we can't promise to have all the answers, but we would like to discuss what it could look like. Um, and it's one of the reasons we've launched the Sustainable Wine Roundtable is to try and facilitate collaboration beyond just conferences like this and we're delighted that the Catania Institute of Wine has become one of our founder members so thank you for your support um, but it is important that we use our time well when we collaborate um, and that was something you mentioned Lara when we spoke in preparation for this and I wondered if you had some kind of initial thoughts on you know how we can improve collaboration and, and make sure we do it efficiently. Yes, well, you know, when I came to wine, I came from medicine where I'd done research and where I lived in this world of, you know, big pharmaceuticals, big uh, trials. Um, And, uh, you know, I did find that in the world of wine, there was a lot of what I called blah, blah, you know, people seeing I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And that's why I founded the Catena Institute, which was a way to understand what was being told to us from people all over the world, because this was sort of the rebirth of Argentina as an export country in, in, your, in the 1980s and 90s that was started by my father. Uh, but how do we incorporate all this knowledge that existed around the world without losing our traditions and what we knew, and this high altitude climate and this great Malbec that nobody else knew? And, um, you know, it's been really a journey of 25 years. And, you know, Fernando is, is here also as the director of the Catena Institute of Wine. But what I found early on was that basically uh, the reason why there was probably so much blah, blah in, in the world of wine is that there were so many little wineries or big wineries that were, you know, doing their own thing and not necessarily collaborating. And also, I think in, in one of the other panels, somebody mentioned how government has had such an important impact on other industries, you know, medicine, I mean, all medical funding is done by the government. Whereas in wine, you know, (laughs) we have less help, uh, you know, maybe even less help than agriculture. And actually, that's a a good topic for us at the Catena Institute, because when we started, most of the collaboration had somebody either from the local university uh, which is, you know, funded by the government from local research in this institutes funded by the government. But we were able to work with these, you know, incredible scientists who had never sold anything, who only did research and figure out how can we use their knowledge to make better wine, to make uh, sustainable choices, uh, you know, to understand high altitude climate. And, um, you know, I think that the future of sustainability, organic, everything you've been talking about in these sessions has to do with collaboration between different producers, but also with uh, 
entities that hold experts. You've had some of these experts on, on your panel, Toby. Yes, absolutely. And I think the advantage the wine industry has is, you know, the biggest players in the industry don't add up to that much of a percentage of the whole. Whereas in other industries, you know, there's a kind of oligopoly where there's five or six companies who compete and, and they regard pre-competitive collaboration as very difficult. And even within you know, groups like the Consumer Goods Forum, they're all still arguing and fighting um, and competing. And of course, in the wine industry, there are so many smaller players who have good reasons to share. Uh, and it's, it's great to see organizations like the Catania Institute helping there. Fernando, what are your views on this? And tell us a bit more about the, the Institute's work in, in, in furthering this. Uh, well, I think it's a lot about uh, value and, and values. Uh, and what I'm trying to say is that for a collaboration to be sustainable, you, you need to get something of value out of it. That the process shouldn't go against your values, your purpose. And that balance is, is very, very difficult to achieve. Um, a few years ago, I believe I have, yeah, I have a copy here. I know if you allowed, I remember when you brought me this uh, code, I think it was 2008 or so. This is the... I, I brought um, that and, and no clothing in my suitcase. <laughs> yeah, I remember. And, and, and this is the code of sustainable wine growing for California, I think, uh, was printed in 06. And we, we try ourselves to apply this code to um, our lo local conditions. And we realized soon, and I think Laura has probably an anecdote with some owls that she can talk about later, um, that it requires some changes to be relevant in our regions. Uh, we later realized that if we were the only ones uh, doing this, it would create like an island effect. You cannot be sustainable alone. So we approached uh, Bodegas de Argentina, which is the organization that groups a large portion of, of the wineries uh, here in, in, in our country. And we co-develop a code that is now available to everyone. Uh, we also join efforts with local researchers from the uh, School of Agronomy, from INTA, which is the, the National Research of, of uh, uh, Technical uh, Research, uh, so that the code also remain uh, alive and be able to update periodically. And, but this, this was not easy because at the beginning, we, were, we would all have our own ideas of how the code uh, should look like. And at some point we came to an understanding that probably there are things that are critical to your purpose, to your values that you want to do and how. And there are other things that are what I call the, like the, I like to use the limiting factor approach. There are things that we all need to agree on because if we don't do it, we're going to compromise the future of the planet, the future of our region, the future of our people. And we cannot play with that. We should be able to come to an agreement on what are the things that we have to do to secure the future of the planet and, and the people. And, and probably we can agree on, on 10 things that are critical everywhere you are. But then there are things that are probably critical to your purpose. And maybe you don't need a certification for that. You just do it because you think it's the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. And, and sorry. I think oh, it's okay, Toby. So one thing to add to what Fernando is saying is that you know if you want to collaborate with other wineries, with uh, you know local research institutions, what you were talking about, Toby, the the time effect. 
you know, everything takes time. And the time that you're spending doing research on water shortage or, you know, working on a sustainability program that you're going to share with all the other wineries. And then you go and you bring the project, you have it all finished. We actually, when we came with the sustainability plan, we had finished it. And then they wanted all these changes. And we were thinking, well, why are we even bothering? You know, we, we already know what we want to do. But we said, no, we want the whole region to get the sustainability code. And we persisted, persisted, persisted. And then last year, System Bolaje allowed our code, this sustainability code that we started with, you know, 10 years ago or more, 2007, to be, to enter the green sector of the store. And um, now why did System Bolaje approve this code? Because they see all the work that has gone into it, that it's a regional code. And yes, maybe we had to put in more work at the beginning or at other times. Um, but I think that the message I would give to people is that partnerships are difficult. Uh, anybody that's done a business partnership, they know it's difficult, but there, this is the only solution, partnerships, because we're all too small uh, and there's too many things to, to get solved. And the other uh, advice I would give to people uh, and a necessity so that you're not doing the blah, blah, and just saying, you know, my, my wine tastes like um, citrus because I have a citrus tree in my garden. Uh, is that you need to create a mini research department within your own winery. And, you know, at Cadena, we're, we're obsessed with this and we have PhD students and we figured out how to make it work financially. We actually host the PhD students for their programs and the university, you know, is taking care of some of their fees. So we share in the cost of these PhD students, but then they get to do the research in our vineyards and our winery. So it's a, it's a shared cost that has taken a long time to figure out. Uh, you know, then comes the publications, like whose name is it, where, you know, all these things. But in the end, for example, why is it that Benjamin Bois from Burgundy, who was doing the big Burgundian uh, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay study where they have picked sites all over the world, why did they pick Argentina and the Catena Institute as their local partner? Because they know we can do the research. And so I think that it's a give and take. You know, you need to work with, with other wineries in the region because they will know more about some things than you do. And then if you want to work with people who are leaders internationally, you know, we're in Argentina, we're a bit isolated. Uh, if we want to work with people in France, in the United States, in Australia, in Italy, in all these places where they're doing fantastic research, uh, you need to be able to provide good data and, and be a good collaborator, not waste their time. Uh, you know, and, and, and build your mini research institution. Um, and I, I finished with one anecdote from, I was talking recently to an Oregon producer who, uh, you know, does all these wines that are from the specific terroirs and does a lot of geological studies. And they said, well, you know, we thought of working with the local university, but they're too complicated. And I think that that's something that we've felt many times and we've almost not done things because of that. But I would encourage people if, you know, if one out of three partnerships that you do yields something important, like this sustainability code, it will have been worth the other two. Absolutely. I mean, a collaboration is, is one of the hardest things we can do. But now we have um, so many better frameworks to work within. I think to, to Fernando's um, earlier point, you know, we, we now know uh, about, you know, what the sustainable development goals can offer. We have many more tools out there, and the question is, how do we uh, how do we use the right ones at the right times with the right people? So it's about putting together the puzzle. Perhaps we can see the pieces now much more clearly than than we used to be able to. 
Yeah, so I go back to this, this idea that I have with, with the limiting factor approach. There are things that we all need to do together because as Tabra said, it's, it, we're too small for solving a big problem alone. Uh, and that's critical. Uh, we have to partner up in our region, in our country, as, as the one, with the entire one industry as a whole. Uh, and, and then there are things that, that you really know are relevant to your workers, to your partners, uh, to your neighbors. And, and you're probably the, the best one that, that knows how can you improve and, um, the, the relationship, improve the possibilities of development in, in, that, in those conditions. And, and coming back to Laura's point on, on doing research and collaboration in research, yes, it's, it's definitely very, very uh, complex because uh, we speak different languages. Um, uh, the, the time frame for a researcher might be different than, than for a grower. I, I've seen this many, many times. Uh, a grower with a problem today that needs a solution probably yesterday. And uh, a researcher that suggests that we start a five-year project to solve that question. Uh, so how do you do it? Um, well, in our case, we think that the best option is, is to find uh, the best expert in the world and try to collaborate with this person. And uh, sometimes it takes years. Uh, I can give you an example uh, that, that took me years to, to partner up with probably the, the best or the, the, the world expert in, in terroir from Bordeaux. Uh, and I tried several times for many, many years. I, I would send emails. I would uh, try to give him a call during congresses. I, I would approach him, conferences, anywhere. And, and he was very, very kind, very, very polite. But he would say, well, I'm not sure. Maybe it's not the right time. Until it was, I think it was my, my first uh, Tewa Congress uh, many years ago. And um, first day, second day of the conference, I would do the same. I would try to approach him. Uh, very, very kind, but no luck. And on the third day, I was presenting. And I was presenting research that we've been doing with local researchers for about a decade on how um, high elevation viticulture um, affects uh, uh, vine growing and, and grape and wine quality. This was amazing research. And we've been publishing this research in, in, in top scientific journals, what researchers would, would call Q1, the, the top quartile. But for some reason, this group in the audience, they, they wouldn't know about it. Um, after it was probably a 15 minute presentation, it went really well. I even managed to make them laugh, but most importantly, I, I caught their attention. And when I was going back to my seat, there was this little group of, I recognized uh, Benjamin Wad that Dalbra mentioned from the University of, of Burgundy and some other top researchers. Among them, there was this, this researcher from Bordeaux. And he said, Fernando, congratulations. Uh, the work is, is beautiful. I would like to recommend that you publish this particular work in this particular journal. And I would love to collaborate with you. It took us years. Well, so the value I think of that, perseverance is very important, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Uh, but if we focus first, you were saying earlier about efficient collaboration. And I think it, that's very tricky because probably we, we need to focus first on effective collaboration. And that takes time. It, it can be painful, but it's worth it. Um, it's, it's built on, on trust. You, you need to build a relationship. And after that, maybe you can become more efficient. However, these kind of, of seminars, uh, the roundtables, 
those um, scenarios, I see those things very, very important in terms of increasing the efficiency because maybe you already develop a relationship. You already build a relationship with someone. You build the trust. Maybe you can share it and you can speed up the process. Of course, it's up to you later to keep that relationship going on and, and to keep the trust and, and your actions need to be honest. Uh, but maybe the roundtables could be a very good way to uh, speed up collaboration. Well, that's certainly our objective because you know, since we, we started, we've created a kind of global community of two or 3,000 wine people who get our newsletter and come to events like this. And then the question was, how do we take that further? And it looks like focused work streams, which report back and share knowledge and have a, a website of resources can be a real way to do that. But also just connecting people. You know, I'd love to have a bit of our website where someone can go on and say, I've got this problem. I'm trying to find a solution. Uh, and that could go out to, to members all over the world who could then put their input back in and offer the solutions. And sometimes it can be the, the little things that make a big difference as well. Um, so we're really hoping to foster collaboration on a, you know, a one-to-one -one level as well as on an, on, a, on an organizational level. But we will need the members' help to make that happen. So we're looking forward to the journey. And, um, I mean, it'd be great to hear more about your priorities, where you feel uh, other members or other wine players could help you solve some problems. Uh, Lara, what, what are your thoughts on... Yeah, well, I think that... A very important thing in collaboration is uh, to see that your two organizations are very different, to understand that and understand that what the other person needs or does is very different from yours. So, for example, in sustainability, everybody's always talking about solar and wind. And there is nothing that we want more at, at Catena than to use solar and wind. But right now in Argentina, there's actually a tax on solar. And, uh, you know, um, there's a subsidy on gasoline. So for us to, you know, we could do a fancy roof and we have some solar, but we could, you know, do a ton of solar, right? Uh, and then that would mean that we're putting money into that uh, and we're not putting money into maybe our education programs that have been incredible, like increasing uh, the female workforce uh, just by putting a school in the summer. We've increased by 20% the women that work um, in our winery because they have childcare. And so, you know, this is what sustainability is. It's think of what's appropriate for your region, uh, what makes sense from a sustainable standpoint, and how do you take care of the environment of the people? You know, in Argentina, we have 25% of the carbon emissions that they have in the US, in Australia. Um, it's uh, UK is actually better than the US and Australia <laughs> and Canada, you know, so is it right to ask our region to do certain standards that, you know, or ask for another regions when we have more pressing problems, you know, people are, are, you know, there's more poverty in Argentina. This is one of our huge, huge priorities. Water shortage, huge priority. Ecosystem, I think we are actually a leader in ecosystem because our, our, our nature is more wild and we have fewer, you know, cities and big buildings and most people commute because it's, it's the cheapest way when you commute, you don't use, you know, gasoline and, and not many people have cars. So I think the one thing that's important in um, collaboration and sustainability is also to understand that there's some things that are the same everywhere. You know, research is research. You know, the, the vineyard technology and winery technology is not that different and it's, it's not that expensive. So it's easily accessible. So you can, you can collaborate from a technical standpoint, but the priorities in each country uh, and the financial issues are different. And 
I think you have to be very, very conscious of that in order to be able to collaborate. And, you know, the people in the countries with more money shouldn't be preachy on other people and vice versa. Absolutely. Yeah, that recognition of localized issues is going to be really important. And in fact, you know, communication of those makes us all really think about what could be the innovative solution. So recognizing that local versus global is really important. Caroline has a question um, just about the, the code itself that you mentioned. I uh, wonder if we could yeah. just address that. What are the main challenges to increasing the adoption of the code by other wineries in the region, both large and small? That's a, that's a good detailed question on collaboration. Yeah, so, I mean, I can talk a little bit, and Fernando can as well. When we started with the code, um, basically, we were the first winery. We were so excited, uh, you know, and we were doing sustainability, but with the code, we were the first to go and get certified because we wanted to encourage other people. And actually, for about four or five years, many people didn't understand what the code was because they didn't know a lot about sustainability. Even if we had meetings where we talked about it in this big organization, it's Bodega de Argentina, it's an organization of thousands of wineries. But it was actually more the wineries hearing from the consumers. And this is where I think that the role of the consumer and of the trade is so important. Wineries started hearing from consumers and the trade that they had to have a sustainability program. And it was really then that, you know, there's now over a hundred wineries who are using the code uh, and it's become the main code in Argentina. But it was, it was a couple of years until the other wineries realized it. And, you know, we tried, we talked to people. Uh, so in, in answer to the question, I think that um, you need to meet other wineries, talk to them about it. But then if we can have help from consumers on the trade, and I know, Toby, you're working on how to accomplish that, that is essential because people in the end have to sell wine. And if they think it's going to help them sell wine, then they're more likely to do it. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, one of the objectives, the dreams of the roundtable is if, if we could assemble retailers who represented, you know, let's say 50 million consumers and sustainability could be an opportunity to producers to say, instead of a checklist and a stick and a list of things you must do, it could be presented as an opportunity to say, here's how we sell, or here's your opportunity to sell more better wine to consumers that want it. I mean, that's a, that's a big picture dream, but um, that, that sort of thing can happen if we, if we work together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And one more thing regarding the code is probably that because initially there was a small group of wineries collaborating on, on uh, updating and adapting the code to the local condition, maybe the newcomers, they would feel, well, I, I have not taken part in, in the writing of this code. I'm not sure if it's right for me. Uh, and maybe there are things that I would like the code to include, but they have not been included. That's why it was so important not only to build the first version of the code, but to build a team, a team uh, with researchers, with uh, growers, with Boyaz de Argentina as, as an institution um, that is taking into consideration the new inputs and it's updating the code so that more and more growers, more and more wineries feel that they are part of this code. And, and if you don't mind, I want to take a minute to come back to the question of uh, Nicoleta Dicova about uh, what research we are currently working on, the Institute. And I would say we, we have a, well, the main purpose and the main reason why, why Laura created the Institute has to do with, with our ultimate goal, that is to make wines that can stand with the best of the world so that we can elevate our regions to what's the 
what the so-called first world of wine. We want to see our regions and to be considered among the, the top regions in the world. So we ask ourselves different questions towards that, that goal. And many, many years ago, Laura's father, Nicolas, had this idea. Some people uh, uh, considered he was crazy, but I think he was just he was looking into the future. Uh, how can we make great wines in, in this region? And we needed to go to a cooler, um, to a cooler climate situation. And he cons considered two options. One was going south, uh, that in the southern hemisphere means uh, cooler. The other option was to take advantage of the Andes Mountains and, and go up uh, and gain in elevation. And what he did is he approached the, uh, the um, local researchers at the same time he was making this, this bold decision. And we first made a decision to move up in elevation. And, and then we studied uh, what, was the, what, what were the main drivers explaining why this region was successful. But at the beginning, it was just a huge risk. So I think that you also need uh, pioneers in your region. Someone needs to take some risks. And, and Nicolas was one taking a huge risk, Laura as well. And eventually they, they pay off. Uh, eventually, if you're a leader, you, you have to do it. You have to show uh, the way you are going to make mistakes. That's, that's the, always the case when you're doing something new. Uh, so with the sustainability code, of course, there was things that could be improved. Uh, but eventually the industry came together and, and made it happen. Yeah, I want to just to add the sort of the key things that we're working on at the Institute. So we are preserving Massal selections of Malbec uh, and Cabernet Sauvignon that don't exist in Europe because they're pre-phylloxeric. This is a monumental uh, project. It's like saving, you know, hundreds of cuttings from extinction. And uh, we're doing it at this nursery that we're also keeping virus free. We're teaching everybody in Argentina about grafting. Most of our vineyards are ungrafted, but in some regions, it's better to graft because of, you know, soils and nematodes and things like that. And that's, you know, a lot of techno. I said that technology was pretty universal, but we have pockets in Argentina of, of um, missing technology because most of our vineyards have been ungrafted forever. You know, only recently have people started grafting. Um, th there's, there's not enough knowledge. Uh, we're also working on water usage and how to preserve water. That is the biggest issue in our region because the glaciers in the Andes are decreasing. We're um, studying biodiversity and figuring out, you know, uh, through research with a local um, with the lo local university, uh, you know, counting species, uh, seeing what we can do to increase species. We're working on uh, the ants that um, uh, Juan was speaking about from Argentina yesterday at the session. Ants are a big issue only in Argentina, not in the rest of the world. And there's lots of um, organic solutions that, that we're testing with other wineries, with re local researchers. Um, we are still studying high altitude uh, Cabernet Sauvignon and Malbec, these two varieties. And um, I don't know, Fernando, did I miss something from your- No, no, just- Influence um, on wine. That That's, oh, the biggest, I, I missed the- <laughs> the terroir study that, that Fernando and Roy uh, worked on that was published in Scientific Reports, uh, which is a nature magazine, which uh, shows the terroir of 24 different parcels and is actually the largest terroir study ever done with Gregory Jones, who, you know, is the famous climatologist in viticulture as, as one of the authors. And this was a study that has never been done outside of Argentina, you know, in France or US or anywhere else. Um, and uh, Fernando, you want to add anything? 
no, no, just going back to uh, the, what, what they call the, the Septentrion project that we're conducting with the University of Burgundy, trying to understand how climate is affecting Pinot Noir and Chardonnay in different regions. So maybe um, one region can learn from the other because maybe the, the climate conditions are not going to be exactly the same, but this region is kind of moving towards the climate of this region and this is moving to, towards this one. So we have all of them together. We understand what's going on in each situation and, and we share. And eventually um, uh, we're all going to learn from each other. We're going to get a better chance at keep making great Chardonnay and Pinot. And eventually, one of the things Laura was mentioning, uh, we get to publish. And that's, that's a very interesting thing because maybe some of this work has been carried out in other places in the world, but it's not been published. And by publishing, you have two things. One is you get the validation from the scientific community that is not blah, blah, as Laura was saying. You, you make sure this is the right thing. The results were correct. The, your experimental design was correct. Uh, your validation was correct. But on the other hand, when you publish uh, research, you share it. So now everyone can have access to the, to the work. They can build on it. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. We can build on the work of, of the previous um, research group. And that I think is amazing. Um, sometimes you are a little bit scared about publishing things because you know it's, it's research. Sometimes the results that you get are not the results that you want. Uh, but I think that's very important. Uh, one of the things that in, in one of the sessions today was mentioned is that sustainability in terms of definition, it, it's getting closer and closer to transparency. And I think that is a very powerful message. We don't know all the answers. We have room for improvement. Climate change is, is challenging us to do things in a different way every year. Um, but if we can publish what we do, we become more transparent. And I think we'll get more empathy from the consumers, from uh, the trade, from the industry. And eventually we're, we're going to be able to collaborate better. Thank you. There's a good question here from Chris um, on the, the subject of uh, blah, blah, and so on. Um, mm -hmm. Standards can bring people together around technical issues. Do you think they can also set metrics, measure impact, and verify that impact so that we can bring a more consistent, credible, and powerful message to consumers? Well, um, I think that's such a good question from Chris uh, and a big question. I think there already are, um, you know, uh, certifications that, you know, that, you know, big uh, retailers all over the world ask you to, you know, supply, you know, the, the ISO certification and the BAT. I, I don't remember the name of it. It starts with a B. Uh, and. I think those things are good because you have to keep records, you get inspections, you get ratings. Now for sustainability, I think it's a little more complex because of what I said before, that in different regions, uh, different things are important or doable. Uh, but I do think that what Chris is saying, um, or at least insinuating in his question is that there should be kind of a base level. I do think that that, sh that that would be good for the consumer. If there was kind of a base level that all wineries needed to show something, you know, that, uh, you know, you have, um, I don't know, some part of your budget is dedicated to certain projects, you know, to do with your people, the different areas of sustainability that, you know, you have a program of reducing electricity by at least, I don't know, 10% or some number. I think uh, that uh, something like that would be, amazing even if it was less ambitious you know like fernando said sometimes you want to do 100 but other people are only willing to do 20 
you know, if we could get some sort of, you know, basic level that says, you know, um, this is what you need to have at least the basic sustainability certification, and then you can have the sustainability plus or, you know, the, the local one where you do all kinds of other things. I think that would be phenomenal if, if that could be done. But, you know, right now, the, the government are trying to figure out how to make the corporate taxes, you know, standard all over the world. And, you know, it's one country trying to, you know, you know, get that done with the European Union and the US, you know, is there somebody in the world that can get, you know, all the, the countries in the world to, to do this? If there is, I think it would be amazing. I don't know, Toby, do you think? Uh, well, we can, but try. <laughs> Fernando, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Um, again, today in one of the sessions, they were talking about, uh, let's put together all the sustainability codes and, and let's find the common denominator and we create a standard uh, that is accepted by all of them. The question is, is that enough for the consumer? It, it, should we aim just for the common denominator or is there a baseline that we should be uh, above it? And um, I think this is going to be a lot of interaction probably with other industries that have gone through this path earlier. We can learn from others. And of course, we have to be open to listen to the consumer and, and to adapt like we did with the original version of the sustainability code in Argentina. It's going to be a work in progress. And, and then I think it's a lot about um, local impact. We are, as Laura said, many small growers around the world, but that's a good thing as well. We are everywhere. We get to know each other. Uh, we get to know our neighbors. We get to know the, the, I know, the local um, uh, grower, the, the, the small pharmacy, the small market here. Uh, so we are, we're part of the society. We're not separated from the society. So we have a huge opportunity at doing small things with a big impact that do not need a certification. Again, you just do that because you think it's the right thing to do. And eventually you can communicate that or not. Maybe just do it uh, and, and you don't communicate it because probably the only person you need to, to know about it is, is your neighbor or the, or the, or the local grower. Uh, but eventually if you communicate that, you can inspire others. And I think that's probably one of the biggest opportunities that we have as, a, as, as in the wine industry. As we're everywhere, we're on, uh, on every table, we're in, in and fancy restaurants, but we are also uh, and home dinners, whatever you, you think of, there is a bottle of wine. So we can inspire others. We can inspire other industries that maybe have the power to, um, to make the big changes to do it. Uh, so probably if we combine all three, we can become not only uh, providers of, of, of happiness, of an experience with a bottle of wine, but also we can help the, the planet uh, at a larger scale. Yeah, one thing that I want to add to what Fernando is saying um, is that I do think that it's very difficult for a small grower or a small winery to have you know all these measurements and all this research and all this stuff and i think that is one of the biggest problems and one thing that you know upsets me is to see that you know who are the sustainable companies that really talk about sustainability it often is really big companies uh and you do have great uh situations like sonoma in california where you know they put as a group they've put a they've invested a lot into sustainability and they've made it 
you know, something that smaller wineries can do. Uh, but I think that, you know, um, there has to be a solution that provides some funds, you know, maybe there's a way to, to put it on the bottle, charge the consumer, I don't know, you know, but um, to me, until that problem is solved, of how to get, um, you know, everybody to, to, to be able to do this. To me, that's the, the biggest problem right now. But also, I guess, the biggest opportunity, and that's really where the we focus. Yeah. Because if we can do that, we can all move together. And, and that's really where the opportunity is, is to be inclusive and, and not just have a large you know, group of five or six of the biggest wine brands in the world doing their thing and, and keeping up with the other brands and then everybody else is miles behind. We need to, to take everyone with us. But you know, with the, the passion that I see in the wine industry and the connection to the, you know, the land, um, I, the energy is phenomenal. And I really think we can, we can meet that challenge with your help and, and support. So thank you both very much for a fantastic and inspiring session. It's been a real pleasure uh, to, to listen to, to what you have to say and your insights. Thank you to all of you in the, in the audience as well. It's been a phenomenal conference. Um, we're going to end it here because that's, uh, that's what our agenda says. It's good to end on time. Um, and um, we will process the recordings and have them put out to you and do some more thinking about where this goes. And I urge you to take a look at the work of the Sustainable Wine Roundtable, which Lara and Fernando are, are supporting. And we will be in touch about next steps, both on the uh, logistics of sending you links to the content, but also on our our next set of plans. So please keep an eye on sustainablewine.co.uk as well. So thank you all once again. It's been a fantastic conference. I'm, uh, I've got so much to think about and um, it's been really inspiring. So thank you once again, and we will see you all very soon. <laughs>